Hey, Brian. Hello, Michael. I have two plane tickets to Las Vegas, Sin City. Really? You down? To go to Las Vegas? We're going to Sin City together. Nothing but strippers and booze and gambling and spoilers and explicit language. Oh, I I see where this is going now. (laughs) Am, Am I allowed to bring my keg of Union Hill cider with me? Um, for sure. That's the best cider I've ever tasted. It is. I was just, you know, worried about you know, customs. It's, well, wait, are we going by plane? When you said you have tickets, uh, yes, so. tickets, plane tickets, plane tickets. Well, shoot, you're gonna think... have to check that keg. <sighs> okay. That'll be spendy, but it's worth it because it's Union Hill. I mean, do we have to go to Las Vegas though? Yes, because there's gonna be so many spoilers and explicit language. I mean, we we could probably get those down the street, and then we can just tap the keg now. I want to record this one in Sin City, Brian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, off we go to Sin City. <sighs> Cue the music. What? Hello! Welcome to the Mostly Movies Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about TV shows, video games, and how many more of these things I can come up with. My name's Michael. And I'm Brian. And tonight's movie is Django Unchained, starring Jamie Foxx, Leonardo DiCaprio, Christoph Waltz, uh, Kerry Washington, and Samuel L. Jackson. It's true. And Walton Goggins. Oh, yes. Walton Goggins, the, the man we pulled out of the hat. Briefly. He's not in it for very long. Should we start with a plot synopsis? We should. Here, I've got one right here. Uh, actually, just to preface this, uh, we're going to try a little bit different. Instead of going through the entire movie, we're going to do a plot synopsis, talk about the beginning scene scenes, I guess, and yeah. then maybe one or two in the middle somewhere in there, and then how the movie kind of wraps up. So we're going to try to shorten all of this down a little bit because the episodes have been getting progressively longer. Yeah, we'll, we'll feel it out. Let us know if you like this new version or if it's just terrible and we're leaving out too much. All right. Anyways, plot synopsis. <clears throat> Two years before the Civil War, Django, Jamie Foxx, a slave, finds himself accompanying an unorthodox German bounty hunter by the name of Dr. King Schultz. Dr. King Schultz. Yes, played by Christoph Waltz. On a mission to capture the vi- uh, vis- yeah, vicious brittle brothers. Once uh, once their mission is successful, uh, Schultz frees Django, and together they hunt the South's most wanted criminals together as bounty hunter partners in crime, I guess. Their travels take them to the infamous plantation of Shady Calvin Candy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, where Django's long-lost wife, uh, played by Carrie Washington, is still a slave. And they're going to go rescue her. Yes. Starting with the actors. First build here, we have Jamie Foxx. He was As probably, Django. I would say, second most interesting character. <laughs> I'd go third. Oh, okay. In his own movie. But I think that he gets progressively better throughout the movie. Yes. Well, that He kind of comes un- into his own. He's sort of, he's kind of closed off at the beginning. And then throughout the movie, he comes out of his shell and then really comes into his own at the end. Right. He does get more lines. Yeah. <laughs> So he has a pretty good character arc. I liked him. Yes. And he was convincing. So that's that's good. For... Yes. Uh, number two, 
we've got Christoph Waltz playing Dr. King Schultz. Is he your second most favorite or he, interesting? He is my number one oh. most interesting. Okay. I love this guy. <laughs> He's fantastic in this and also fantastic in Inglorious Bastards. He is pretty weird in Inglorious Bastards, but yes, pretty good. This I one I think him. I like even better because he's a likable character in this. <laughs> even though, like, he's a terrible person in Inglorious Bastards, he still kind of has a likability to him, though, even though he's terrible. But yeah, this guy, what'd you think? I, I liked him a lot because it was, it was the first time I've seen, like, old Western kind of movie type of scenario. But then you've got someone who's almost James Bond style one step ahead of everyone else. Yes, he is very clever, for yes, sure. Yes, and very proper about it. Not just like, I can just barrel through anyone. More like, I've got a plan, and you don't, kind of thing. Speaking, uh, he actually was in a James Bond movie. He was in Spectre. I don't know if I saw that one, actually. He was the villain. Which which one is Spectre? Uh, it's the one with Christoph Waltz in it. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't help much. All right, moving on. <laughs> moving on, sorry. Leonardo DiCaprio plays Calvin Candy. He's he, he does a very good job with this role, but I'm going to guess that he wasn't your second most interesting. He was my second most interesting. Trat, I'm getting this all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a really good villain. I think he should have won his first Oscar for this, especially in the scene where he uh, cuts himself for real and continues on with the scene that, and then that just kind of plays into yeah. it. Yeah, it, It's, it's <clears throat> pretty neat because I remember during that scene, I remember thinking, I'll bet that happened for real because there's absolutely no way. You can see him just kind of like look at his hand and react to it and then just kind of keep going. Also, it's more like why would they put that in otherwise? Because it's like that doesn't serve a purpose for this other than to show he got real excited. But even that, you could have done something else. So that's got to be real. Yeah. And you can feel it. Yeah. And that was, I don't remember how much longer that scene goes for, like that one take, I guess but how many more lines did he have to deliver while he cut his hand? That's a good question. That scene goes on for a long time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he just totally kills it. All right, next we've got Kerry Washington, who played Broomhilda von Shaft. What do you think of her? Uh, Honestly, I can't even remember her face. There's her face. Honestly, that doesn't even help. She's I, beautiful. Sure, but I, I can't really remember much of what she did in the movie she was mostly she uh, didn't have a lot to do yeah she was very afraid the whole time i mean quiet so but yeah and and then she faints at one point and then she faints yes she was pretty she was pretty convincing she was convincing i suppose acting uh i don't know that she was good i'd say she was good yeah she was good she just wasn't in it much that uh oh the scene where she gets taken out of the hot box too that was pretty intense acting actually all right uh samuel l jackson we got next he was i thought for sure gonna be your second most interesting character in this but he he was an interesting character as he always is but going from pulp fiction to this it's a bit of a step down as far as uh suppose so if you're comparing but within this movie i would say he was the most interesting character for me oh really yes because there were a lot of moments where he just had you know random lines but they almost told a story by themselves about his life and how he deal, uh, kind of interacted with this world 
Because even right. when he's like standing next to the chair, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's chair, and just kind of repeating back everything he says, yeah. you can tell he's done this for probably maybe one or two other generations prior yeah. to this, and he's just kind of used to the rigmarole. He may or may not believe anything that this guy is saying, but he's he's backed them up anyway. That's true. He he does feel like a very very fleshed out character for kind of the minimal screen time that he has and he gets fleshed out probably within the first 10 seconds of him even showing up on screen which is really impressive it's it's funny to see because like sam jackson he's getting older right he's like in his 70s now wait he really yeah probably like mid 70s i think at this point oh he still he still looks and acts very young though Except in this movie where I feel like they aged him up like quite a bit. <laughs> no, nah, they probably just probably just told him, Hey, act your age for once <laughs> and be like, Perfect, I'll just be extra cranky. <laughs> and then you've got Captain Marvel where he's trying to play like he's thirty years younger or whatever. Yeah, that like, was a little weird because it almost he almost seemed like too lanky when he was doing that. Yeah, he was he was struggling during <laughs> the scenes where he had to move a lot in that one. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty much the bulk of the main actors there uh yeah i suppose so well wait we have we have to give credit to the one man that we actually watched this whole movie for technically speaking walton goggins yes he was good i guess (laughs) yeah he he didn't have a whole lot to do with this either did he i really believed he was gonna cut his balls off (laughs) i'll say that and he's he was kind of creepy and un. he's uh, he's he's really good at that kind of character where he's like intimidating but you can tell he's stupid (laughs) yeah yeah that's true yeah there's quite a few of his characters that are like that (laughs) uh all right yeah walton goggins he was good yeah overall everybody was was good right yeah i I can't think of anyone specifically that was you know like oh that that could have been done better or something like that but no no even the extras pretty pretty good true all right. All right. Uh, now we can get into the beginning of the movie. Before we get into the beginning oh, of the movie. Okay. What now? We should talk about uh, kind of our history with watching this movie, like prior experiences. I suppose so. Had you ever seen this movie before? I had not. That is probably the MO of most of the movies that we'll be watching on this show. Had you ever tried to record a podcast on this movie before? Not that I'm aware of. This is our second time <laughs> trying to record I was trying to be cool, Michael. <laughs> Yes, we tried to record this before, and it cut out midway through the footage and or recording. And so, yeah, this this is take two. Take two. Hopefully, it'll be better than take one. Yeah, we'll find out. Well, actually, we won't because we have no idea what take one sounded like. Well, we do up to like maybe fifty six percent of the way through. Fifty six percent. That's a very specific percent. I don't know. I'm taking a guess. It was more than fifty. All right, well, I had seen this movie. I went Christmas Day, the day that it was released, 2013. This was a Christmas movie? Yeah, with a group of friends. I I left my family at Christmas dinner, and I went down to the movie theater to see this because I was super excited. And I got to say, I was not disappointed. I loved it the first time I saw it. Uh, I've seen it a couple times since then and enjoyed it every time. Did you notice anything new while you were watching it this time around, by chance? Um, I kind of picked up on more of the it was more apparent to me the tone that quentin tarantino was going for in this this time around mm, explain okay well 
which tone, I guess? What was what do you think he was going for? The nineteen seventies Western meets black exploitation film. You didn't get that the first time around? <laughs> no. Well I I didn't really kind of like dig very deep into into uh filmmaking. Okay. Back then. I, I enjoyed watching movies, but I didn't really go so much into kind of deconstructing what a filmmaker was going for when, when they were making it. Because okay. this movie has a very unique tone to it, I would say. And it's very Tarantino-y. Sure. It's, that's the best way I can describe it. Okay. Someone okay. who's only seen a few Tarantino movies, I'll just take <clears throat> your word for it. This one, it, it's more in line with like his modern stuff. I feel like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, stuff like that kind of has a... Never seen Reservoir Dogs. Those have kind of a different sort of tone. This one, Inglorious Bastards and Hateful Eight all kind of have their own sort of unique tone. Anyway, now we can get into talking about the movie. Actually, no, we can't, Michael. No? <laughs> well, it depends. Do we still want to do the catch-up segment? <laughs> the... Nah. No? Okay. Nah. Honestly, that's just kind of a... I don't know. To me, I don't even like listening to that. <laughs> it, okay. Yeah, it's fine. Here, wait, wait. Ten seconds. Describe just one thing that you did. Just Since like, the first time that we tried recording this? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, uh, sure, I don't know. Uh, I watched a lot of Marvel movies. Perfect, there you go. That, How about you? Uh, I watched an opera. No, you watched an opera before we did the Pulp Fiction episode. I'm still trying to keep continuity, man. <laughs> Dang. No, I just listened to our Pulp Fiction episode. You mentioned that you went to the opera in that one. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I'm getting them all confused. I just got done editing that thing. <laughs> yeah, you just got to be honest with yourself and with everybody else. Fine. <laughs> all right, now boring, we can start talking fine. about the movie. All right, fine. What I've been up to is lying. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All let's, right. Okay, let's start. Now we can start. <laughs> okay, how does the movie start? Well, first we get... Uh, I Is it a desert scene, I think? Yeah, it's a desert montage while the credits, the opening credits roll by and there's slaves walking through the desert and there's music that goes like, yes. Django! And they're almost kind of marching to the beat? They are marching to the beat. Okay, because it, it was like kind of off and on. I was like, are they? There's multiple times that there's a mute, that there's a song playing and people are walking to the beat of the music. Really? They do that at the end too, when they're walking back from the funeral. Oh, didn't notice. You've already got the spoiler alert tag, right? Hope so. Okay, cool. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah, there's the opening credits, and then the movie actually starts with uh, Dr. King Schultz riding up on his little cart with the tooth on top. Ah, yes. And there's these two slavers, and uh, one of them kind of lifts up a lantern and goes, Who's that stumbling round in the dark? And from that very line, then I am in this movie. Really? I'm totally down for the tone. And I'm, I had a, I have like a big smile on my face during this entire first scene. Okay. For the whole, for the scene as a whole, I'll agree with you. But that line is what got you. Yes. I love it. I oh. love the way the dude delivers it. It's like super over the top. And I don't know. I just, I love it. <laughs> huh. Obviously. I mean, I remember that line vividly. As being I the first line in the movie. Guess that is correct, because I can't think of what Dr. Schultz says in return. I can't either. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I I think actually the dude says he goes on after that line saying something about state your business or prepare to get something probably shot shot yeah. or something like that. I don't, know. I don't remember either. But anyways, oh no, he does. I, he I does? remember what Schultz says. He he's like uh, he introduces himself. He's like I am Doctor King Schultz, and this is my companion, his horse. What was his horse? Name? Fritz. Fritz, yeah, and then the horse nods. Yes. And that just adds to the the tone. Probably that is where the movie got me. That's where it gets you? Yes, because that's probably more where I picked up the tone from. That, you know, you're stumbling around the dark. Who's that? (laughs) Sorry, I'm not going to do it again. (laughs) That line was super cheesy to me, and I cringe at that kind of stuff. Exactly, that's what I mean, though. That's what drew me into it oh that's that oh i don't like that feeling that one i don't like it when movies do that (laughs) (laughs) like super cringy over the top movies are fun but only with their when when i'm watching it with friends who enjoy that kind of stuff if i try to watch that on my own i get up and i walk away i have to come back to it later because i can't i can't deal with it i wouldn't say that this is cringy though no it's not like the room (laughs) Uh, no. <laughs> Thankfully not. It's not like, you're tearing me apart, Lisa! <laughs> yeah, no, I would definitely just leave. I don't know, there's something... that one, but... There's a subtlety to it. There that, is. That rides the line between cheesy and serious dramatic. Yes, this one does a this good job. This movie is a master at riding that line, I think. Uh, sure, I, I will agree with you on that. But, you know, for other movies can't do it this i got that little twinge and i was like "Uh (laughs) uh-oh but then fritz nods and we're we're good to go again and that got a chuckle out of you i recall well yeah because you know he's a very polite horse yeah you don't see a lot of polite horses (laughs) these days so yeah that's how the movie starts well i mean there's more to that scene yeah we might as well go through that whole first scene and then we can break it apart a little bit here okay well uh so yeah dr king schultz he is a bounty hunter, and he wants to purchase one of the slaves that these slavers have because he believes that one of those slaves worked at another plantation where these three brothers were that have a bounty on their head, and he wants that slave to point them out to him so that he can kill them and get the reward, basically. Right, yes. So this slave turns out to be Django, played by Jamie Foxx, right? Correct. And it's worth noting, Dr. Schultz does not like slavery at all. And he has absolutely no problem with just murdering the slavers. But he doesn't just straight up murder them in cold blood. Oh, no. He's smart about it. Yeah. Very smart. Because the slaver points his shotgun at him and Schultz says something like, "Uh, did you get just a bit carried away with your pointing your firearm at me or are you actually... What is it that he says? I forget, like but but yeah, that's the general gist. It's like, you know, are you intending to point your gun at me and threaten to kill me mm-hmm. kind of thing? Because if you are, then I will have the right to defend myself exactly. kind of thing. And then he just whips out his pistol and he shoots the, the dude with the shotgun that was pointing the shotgun at him. And then he doesn't shoot the other dude because that would be illegal. He yeah. shoots the horse. <laughs> and the horse falls over on top of that guy and breaks his leg. So he is incapacitated. Yes, and then he insists on making sure that he can get a bill of sale from the guy who's still alive mm-hmm. so that he can very properly purchase Django from the rest, uh, you know, the slavers. Well, within the law. W- yes. 
you know, right? Because he is technically an officer of the law, so he has to uphold oh, it. Yeah, technically. So yeah, that opening scene really, really shines a light on Christoph Waltz's character, and uh, I really like it. Yeah, it tells you everything you need to know about this guy very quickly, yes. and whether or not you should like him. There the you answer go. is yes, you should. And then they ride off, and he tells the rest of the slaves, like, hey, you know, you could probably kill this guy and just free yourselves. Yeah, yeah, I like that part, too, where he, he basically gives the slaves the option, because he can't tell the slaves you should rebel, but he's like, okay, so you have two options here. You can either take this man into town and get him fixed, and then you can go on your merry way and live the rest of your lives miserable as slaves, or you can unchain yourselves, kill this guy, take his coat, and go to a more enlightened part of the country. And in case none of you are astronomers, that star is the North Star. (laughs) (laughs) That was a nice touch. (laughs) Yes. So I guess the next scene that we need to talk about then is really where we get Django's character kind of fleshed out because it does take a little while for him to kind of get his story together and get him all kind of hyped up to actually do stuff. That's true. There is another scene that just kind of like highlights uh, Schultz's bounty hunting again, but we don't really need to go over it again. No, a lot of uh, Jamie Foxx or Django's story is actually, you know, more for Christoph Waltz. Yes. uh, And his character building. So basically, yeah, they go off and they end up uh, going back to this plantation where Django used to work. He gets all dressed to the nines and he is then playing a character as Dr. Schultz's valet. So Dr. Schultz distracts the the owner of this plantation, Big Daddy. Uh, well, yeah. Django gets the tour around the place to go try and find these guys. And he finds two of them and he just straight up kills them. Yeah. Well, one of them just straight up shoots him in the heart, and then the other one just whips him and then shoots... Oh, he shoots him like three times, huh? Three or four, something like that. He he unloads the rest of the gun in his face. And then uh, Schultz comes up, and uh, he asks Django to point out the third guy who is working out in the field. Well, he's trying to get away. He's, he's riding as fast as he can. And uh, so Schultz wants to be sure that he is, in fact, the man with the bounty on his head. So he says, that's him, are you sure? And he says, yeah, I'm sure. He's like, are you positive? I don't know what that means. It means are you sure? It means are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure that's him. <laughs> Bang! So, uh, Which, by the way, is a good scene, because now we've learned a second time, I guess, to really drive the point home, Mr. Schultz is a very good shot. Yes, From close and long range. Mm-hmm. Very accurate. So their mission, essentially, has been accomplished already, right? Yes. We're only like 20 minutes into this movie, and the plot that they set up has basically already been accomplished. Correct. And this is kind of the just the beginnings of really Django getting <clears throat> ramped up to actually be his character. Yes. Because we don't really get a full fleshed out Django, I would say, until probably... Oh, could... I would say he doesn't come into his own until the third act, but he starts... To sort of gain more confidence about halfway through when when they meet Calvin Candy. Well, how many scenes you want to talk about in between then? Well, basically, a- after they, they kill those three guys and get the bounty, 
then uh, Big Daddy gets a posse together to try and kill them, mm-hmm. but they're hiding up on a hill. They blow all of them up, essentially, and then uh, Schultz lets Django get the final shot on, on Big Daddy and finds out he's got a knack for it, basically. Yes. He's, a, he's also a very good shot from long range. <laughs> and then we get that montage where it's just him practicing on a snowman. He'll be the fastest gun in the South. So at one night, they're sitting around their camp, and they're just talking, and Schultz asks Django if he has any family, right? He's got a wife. Yeah, named Broomhilda. Broomhilda? Yeah. Your slave wife. That does, that does not sound German at all. <laughs> I don't know a German accent. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is quite a coincidence to Schultz because uh, that's a German name. And so he tells Django the story of Broomhilda, which is a famous German story. Basically, it's about a hero who braves all of these dangers to go and save Broomhilda, this woman. Yes. Right? And Schultz decides that he is going to help Django go save his wife and train him to be a bounty hunter because he's pretty good at it. Well, he's a good shot. Yeah. We kind of find out just a little bit later. He's still a little bit on the line about killing, but Uh, he gets over that pretty quick. And they just kind of montage through the winter of them getting bounties. It's all very entertaining. And then they get a bunch of money and decide they're going to head towards Mississippi, which is where uh, Django's wife is being held, basically. Presumably. It's last place that he remembers. From there, they find out that she's at a place called Candyland. Yes. Which is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, plantation. Yes, sir. Actually, quick note. Okay. Just the, the Brumhelda story. Yes. That, that, that's the opera that I went to. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It, that it, is quite a coincidence, isn't it? It is a bit. It kind of caught me off guard when we were watching. Because <laughs> it was like, oh, hey, that's the third part of the opera. The that, part that I didn't get to see yet. <laughs> that we had just mentioned in the previous podcast. So that is quite a coincidence. It is. Um, anyway, so yes, we're, we're now not quite at Candyland yet. No, but Schultz and Django defi- devise a plan. Yes. To brave... The fires of Brumilda. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they make a plan, basically. They make a they're, plan, they're yes. Infiltrate. That's the word I was looking for. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're, they're going to infiltrate Candyland and make a bargain. Yes, but you can't just walk in and ask for Brumilda. Mm-hmm. So instead, what they're going to do is they're going to play some characters. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a Mandingo fighter person? Well owner i guess yeah he he'd be a person who participates in well he doesn't participate in mendingo fighting but he would he would have a fighter yes he wants to purchase a fighter from calvin candy yeah and Django is uh going to be the expert in mendingo fighting fighting i guess so then there's a reason for both of them being there then we get the scene where we get introduced to Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Calvin Candy. Yes. Which this scene is... Pretty brutal. Uh, it's brutal and a little bit tense from start to finish. Because there's a there are plenty of times when it kind of looks like Django is going to, you know, lose his character. Mm-hmm. But you know, he, he sticks with it. 
this this is the first scene where he attempts to kind of play this black slaver character that he's not totally comfortable with so it uh stands to reason that he would uh not exactly be in his comfort zone at this point especially with the the fighting that's going on that's very brutal and inhumane but yeah we're introduced to calvin candy's character and he's just a slick fast talking silver spoon up his ass <laughs> kind of dude why why is it up his ass <laughs> i don't know it's usually in in your mouth that's a phrase isn't it <laughs> no i i think it's being fed with a silver spoon not sticking a silver spoon up your ass <laughs> Uh, basically... That would more imply that you, that a person who had been fed with the silver spoon then sticks that spoon into someone else's ass to then, I don't know, eat whatever he finds in there? I don't Ew. Ew. <laughs> well, why else would you stick a spoon specifically up there? I don't know. I've heard, I'm sure I've heard that somewhere before. Silver spoon up your ass. <laughs> Moving on. Anyway, he's well off. All right, very. And he comes from money. His his parents were mon were money. <laughs> his, his father was a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> his his mother was had a twenty. Money and their parents had money, and he's never had to work a day in his life, basically. Yes. Uh, and he's just lived in this uh, society of owning slaves, and yeah, he's just he's he's not a very enlightened individual, I would say. Not quite, and he seems very accustomed to i guess people not being okay with this to some degree he doesn't react well to it but he seems to know how to handle it for the most part because whenever somebody gets all uppity he's like no no no, calm down it's okay kind of thing right but you can tell he's not okay with it but he's just letting things play out and he's kind of just seeing where it will go next because he's He's one of those people who's like, you know, it takes a while for him to lose his cool. But once he does, he's absolutely lost it. And you cannot calm him down kind of people. Yes. Actually, I'm not sure that... Well, he, at one moment, he does lose his cool in, in the movie. Yes. But, yeah, he is kind of a, for the most part, a pretty cool, collected individual. And why wouldn't he be? He has all this money. Anything goes wrong, just throw some yeah. bills at it. Yeah, he's never had a problem that he can't handle. Where should we go from here? That's a good question, because we could break down this scene, or we can just skip to <clears throat> the diner, or the dinner scene, I guess, later. Uh, Yeah, sure. So they, they decide that they, or they tell Calvin Candy they're willing to pay this exorbitant amount of money for one of his fighters, $12,000. Yes. And so he invites them back to his plantation, where they can go over the details and close the deal, essentially. Well, right? they, they want to see the fighter too don't they because i don't think it's he's wherever they were before no no so they, they want to go meet the fighter so they can tell if he's worth the money yeah essentially so they show up there at Candyland, uh which is where broomhilda is yes and or supposedly they don't know for sure but it's the best lead they've got and schultz pulls a sly move and asks what's his name calvin candy if he could enjoy the company of Broomhilda since she is uh, she speaks German, essentially. So that led to actually one of my favorite scenes when uh, Broomhilda is in Schultz's room and 
Schultz is kind of like, hey, I don't want you to freak out, but uh, there's somebody that you know behind that door. And he's got a bit of a flair for the dramatic. And he, uh, uh, so Django opens up the door and sees Broomhilda and he says, hey, little troublemaker. And she just looks and then she faints. And Schultz is like, you silver-tongued devil, you. (laughs) (laughs) He delivered that line with, uh, like, just... I don't know about uh, don't, uh, don't do that again. <laughs> but I, I know what you mean. It's par excellence. <laughs> yes. <Is> that a- <laughs> sure. I think it made it worse that we were making eye contact or that. <laughs> no, I was doing this. Oh, okay. I, like- I made eye contact with you. Maybe that's why it was weird for me. I was watching this whole thing unfold. Uh, the best part is that nobody listening to this even knows what that was. <laughs> no, and nor do they need to know. Uh, anyways <laughs> but yes i get the feel that when he delivered that line i i saw that and it was another one of those moments where like you know that's i'll bet that's for real kind of feeling because i'll bet he was having a lot of fun delivering that line right because <laughs> it's like <laughs> well done okay so later on they go down to uh dinner and they're talking about sort of the details of their purchase for, over. for the Mandingo fighter, yes. Yes. And uh, this scene... Oh, sorry. We we skipped over the introduction of Samuel L. Jackson. We shouldn't skip that. Ah, we, well, okay. we talked about Samuel L. Jackson. All right, all right. We'll we know, we know that he's he's there. Yes. Uh, but he is the the main servant. Or he's the been there for slave, generations. And basically. he's, he's yeah. uh, I guess, allowed to talk back yeah. and everything. Yeah, this scene, it's an extended scene... And the tension just kind of cranks up throughout the entire thing. Because there are plenty of moments where you think they're going to get found out. Because Samuel L. Jackson caught on to this scheme right away. And they don't explain their full plan up front to us, the viewers, right? Uh, No, they... I Not... I guess up front, no, but we, we kind of know what they're planning. I feel like during this scene, we are just kind of like picking it up like oh okay so their plan is they're going to pay for this fighter and then try and convince calvin candy to kind of throw broomhilda in as an addition yes to the Uh, deal sort of because they don't plan to actually give them the money for the mandingo fighter not right up front they're they're planning to pay up front for broomhilda because you know three hundred dollars you wouldn't care Mm-hmm. But you know, twelve thousand dollars is a lot of money. You know, you're not yeah. comfortable with handing over that much money without a lawyer involved and everything like that. To quote so, Calvin Candy, "You had my curiosity, but now you have my attention." Yes. Well, that was from an earlier scene, but yeah. it it applies. Twelve thousand dollars will do that. It really will. So yeah, I just felt very very engaged in this scene. Well, there's as, a lot going on. And I felt like I kind of had a stake in it. Like, oh, you you want to see the heroes sort of pull it off, right? But then you've got Samuel L. Jackson that's kind of just like looming in the background. And you know that he is catching on to their plan, right? Oh, he already caught on. He's just trying to figure out how to tell uh, Leonardo DiCaprio without raising a ruckus right away. Right. And then the scene comes to a head after uh, Sam Jackson pulls him away. And he explains his suspicions. I think 
they don't really care about this Mandingo fighter. They're here for the girl. And so Leonardo DiCaprio comes back out and he kind of, does he test Sam Jackson's theory or does he just kind of go with the expectation? He seems to go with it because he brings out that box and everything right, right away. He, he goes straight into his monologue. Yeah, exactly. That was uh, that was a compelling uh, scene. Yes, this this like is it. where he cuts his hand mm-hmm. uh, with his ring. This scene, I don't know. It really shows how Calvin Candy sees himself as this super. I don't know. I wouldn't say educated, but he sees himself as a very, very smart person, and those enlightened people up north who see all men as equal they're missing sort of a main part of biology in his eyes right right because he brings out the skull and he cracks it open and he shows everyone like look it's got little dimples here where you know submissiveness is yeah which most associated with which yeah it's it's bullshit but you know to him that's like scientific evidence right to be fair I don't. I don't really know if there was any good way to prove him wrong. I know exactly, <laughs> at and that's the, time, the point. At least. Yeah, is that I don't know. It just goes to show how people can uh, justify themselves, regardless of what it is that they stand for or believe in. Right. Yeah. And I thought that this highlighted it really well. It was cool. Very well. So they 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 catch on and they sit Broomhilda down and they're like, "All right." Here's the deal. You're going to pay the $12,000 for, for Broomhilda. This was the scene, by the way, where uh, Leo totally loses his cool and he. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm cuts downplaying himself. this a lot, but yeah, th- this is a loud scene. <laughs> yeah, he totally explodes, and that's when he cuts his hand. And then when he sits down, Broomhilda, then Leo just like smeared his blood all over Kerry Washington's face for real. <laughs> and it's it's even more uncomfortable of a scene knowing that, uh, that all of that was, was kind of method. So, uh, yeah, basically he, he does. Yeah. You, sorry. I interrupted you. Go on. It's okay. (laughs) You were doing a great job. Uh, but yes, he, he's, he tells him flat out, okay, you're going to pay the $12,000 for her and you're going to leave. Don't waste my time anymore. Don't try to wiggle your way out of this or anything. I am now one step ahead of you kind of thing. I'm going to take your $12,000 and we're just going to do this deal the way that it should have been done, yes. basically. Which I, I would like to point out, they, they do the trade, they get the papers signed and everything, but they have the money on them. I know I brought this up last time we tried to record, but yes. it still doesn't make sense to me if they were... Okay, so the plan was to not pay... I thought pay. that I explained this to you, you before. You did, but it still doesn't make sense. So their plan is to not pay for the Mandingo, finder, Mandingo fighter up front. They're going to go you know, and get the money and come back, essentially, I think was their intention. Well, it was implied, like, everybody had all of their money on them at all time, essentially, or at least traveling people. If you were a traveler back in the Old West, you couldn't transfer it to another bank. You had to have it on you. I suppose. It still seems like a really dangerous thing to just have on you. Yeah, the Old West was dangerous. (laughs) It was very dangerous. Fine. (laughs) Uh, anyway, so yeah, they basically uh, take his wallet and they take out the 12000 and then they're going to go drop the paperwork and they all adjourn to the study. Well, kind of. 
Christoph Waltz just sort of storms into the study because he just can't handle the situation. Yeah, and he's sitting there, and everybody else is enjoying their white cake, and he's just stewing on... Uh, the whole situation. Yeah, how much he hates Leonardo DiCaprio and everything that he stands for, and some terrible things that he witnessed Leo doing earlier on in the movie. Oh, yeah, the, the guy getting torn apart by the dogs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so he basically has had enough. He's just holding on to his self-control as much as he can until they can get out of there. So they they get the paperwork, and they're just about to leave, but Leonardo DiCaprio has, like, one last taunt, basically, that he wants to, he wants to twist the knife just to, to let christoph vaults know that that he got the he got the better of him so he says hey before you go you should know that a deal is not done in the south until the two parties shake hands so you have to come and you have to shake my hand and christoph vaults is like uh no i'm not gonna shake your hand and he's like uh well yes you are gonna shake my hand <laughs> <laughs> and basically there's a lot of tension building up in this scene uh, because you don't know what Christoph Waltz is going to do. He's like a, a boiling a boiling uh, thing. What a is boi- A boiling pot of stew? Sure. He's or uh, he's a, a kettle. He's a boiling kettle just about ah, to burst. I see. Right? Okay. So he finally gives in, and he's going to shake his hand, hand held out. And at this point, I really thought Leonardo DiCaprio was going to just pull out a gun and shoot christoph waltz instead right of what actually happens yes which is christoph waltz it's set up earlier in the movie has a gun in his sleeve a little tiny one with a single bullet so he walks up to leonardo dicaprio with his hand held out and he just pops the gun right out of his sleeve and shoots leo right in the heart yep just a tiny little hole shot him dead right there very accurate and then he turns to deliver his final words speaking of which i like uh how leo had like that little flower oh yeah the white flower on his uh his chest there and it got shot right through the flower and then the like blood kind of flowed out of the flower that was kind of a it was a cool touch then he turns to deliver his final words (laughs) and he says i'm sorry i just couldn't resist and then he gets blown away with a shotgun and just he's dead as a is a dead thing yeah probably a good <laughs> i don't know what would you say a good 40 percent of his left side is gone yeah and yeah he's just there now and then uh that's when shit comes to a head right yeah Django <laughs> gets into gear real quick yeah he doesn't waste a second he just uh pulls out a gun and he starts killing well he grabs the gun of one of the other guys oh that's true cause... he just yeah he walks up pulls the the gun out of a holster of another guy and shoots him and then just starts going to town all of these guys start storming in and he's just like bang 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 you're dead all of these blood squibs are just like spraying the walls and it's like blah and you pointed out uh last time this is where the music tastes change dramatically uh yeah there actually there is a song a little bit earlier that has more of a hip-hop uh flair to it but the way the music works in this movie it it kind of has a progression where it starts out sort of old school and then there's sort of like a 70s rock song almost during the montage early in the movie and then into the second half it kind of becomes more hip-hop and funk 
fusion kind of kind of stuff that sort of I guess transitions more into Django becoming uh, Django, the lead. Yeah, exactly. He he's filling his big boy shoes. Anyway, I like what they did with the music here. It was cool, and the the music for this scene just like totally. Uh, I don't know. It amped up the the awesomeness factor to eleven. I thought. Sure. I can't remember a single beat of it, but sure. It's that bom 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 like that. <laughs> Very descriptive. I can almost feel it in my memories. Anyways, right. uh unfortunately Django gets caught. Yeah, he gets he gets well, caught he, and he gets hung up in the shed. Yeah, cuz well wait, he has to surrender cuz otherwise they're going to kill his wife yeah really they get Broomhilda, and then he's forced to sur- surrender yeah. and then he gets hung up in the shed yes naked upside down this is the day he was born with a and, thing over his face yeah but not over his balls nope <laughs> you got nothing over his balls this is when walton goggins comes in well he was in before but i guess this is technically his shining moment <laughs> yeah <laughs> he comes in and uh, it's his job to uh snip uh, snip the little Django's. Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> the little, little Django's. Little Django's. His, his balls. Little jangly Django's. Yeah, they, he's he's gonna remove Django's testicles, and uh, he's he's just about to do it, and then Sam Jackson intervenes right in the nick of time, and he's like, "Hey, we changed our mind about castrating Django right there." Uh, so Walton Goggins is like, fine, I'm out of here. I don't get to have any fun. <laughs> I'm going to go spit in a hole somewhere. That's a phrase. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it probably is a safe assumption. Uh, so yeah, Sam Jackson then has a monologue. Yes, his wide-eyed, crazy stare monologue. Yeah, he, he this is his shining moment here in this movie. Uh, do you want to you, you wanna just kind of sum up? what sure he he said well i take a drink here real quick he he basically tells Django, okay this is what's gonna happen to you now because we got to thinking about what we were gonna do to you and we came up with all these ideas we would whip you we would you know just beat you to a pulp we would you know stick you in the box and we're like well now wait a minute we do all this kind of stuff to people every day anyway you know what's the difference you have to be punished extra so so we're going to send you off to this other company i guess the, the something Dickie something mining company something like that and it had the word dick in it <laughs> i'm glad you remember that part michael i'm glad that's the part that stuck out to you basically it's all these dick. australian guys who oh well, it's australian yeah oh that's why they had australian accents you know what that makes a lot of sense you make a lot of sense there michael i mean they weren't in australia obviously they didn't ship him to australia <laughs> No. <laughs> that would have taken a long time. That would have. But they were these Australian minor guys. And uh, basically the <clears> idea is they're going to give you a sledgehammer. They're just going to work you till you die. Then you get put in a hole and that's it. Yep. You don't get a name anymore. You get a number and you are forgotten to history. That's the end of the story of Django. And they, like they that. figure that's, that's, that's like that. worse. And so yeah. they're on their way to the mine and Django manages to get the attention of one of the Australians who... Play- who is played by none other than Quentin Tarantino, which doing I didn't a know, but... Australian accent, and I'm not sure that he's the best actor. <laughs> <laughs> I think that his acting is is a bit better in Pulp Fiction than in this one. 
honestly. Yeah. But he is trying to do an accent, so. I suppose that would probably hinder your ability to act a bit. Yeah. So anyway, basically Django convinces them that there's these guys with a bounty on their head back at Candyland. And if they take him back there, then he can point them out and help them get $11,500, which is the reward for capturing these people. Right. To sum it up, he does convince them. He manages to kill them all. At least one of them, rather hilariously so. Yes. <laughs> he gets blown up by dynamite. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino uh, gets blown up by a whole bunch of dynamite. It's pretty funny. Uh, then Django rides back. He kills a bunch of uh, the people from Candyland, saves Where did he get that girl. jacket, by the way? Because he, he's, he's there, and he's giving his little speech while he's killing everyone. He tells uh, Samuel L. Jackson, like, I, you know, I've thank you for making me realize my you know my best color is you know was it burgundy uh something like that maroon <laughs> whatever um, it was it was a deep red but where'd that jacket even come from <laughs> probably got it in the house somewhere well right? sure but it didn't or did look he like... have it when he rode in i guess we don't know yeah anyway and he's got those cool sunglasses too yeah he's got oh. a whole look uh the, the one scene where he's killing people ah the, the yes lady. <laughs> so calvin candy the head of the house basically is dead now so uh all of the family and everybody go out and they bury him and that night when they are all coming back from the funeral this is when they're all walking to the beat of the music by the way up the driveway they walk into the house and Django's there and he just starts capping people he kills walton goggins first he shoots him in the balls then he shoots him in the head or something like that and then there's some of the slaves that are walking up the stairs. And uh, he's like, you guys are free to go. But before you do, can you say good? Can you say goodbye to Miss Sally there? And uh, she turns and she says, goodbye, Miss Sally. And then he shoots Miss Sally and she flies backwards, like through the doorway out of frame at the speed of sound. <laughs> In the wrong direction, too, that she got shot. Yeah, given the angle that he shoots at, there's no way that she should have flown back in that direction. But <laughs> it was uh, it was over the top and hilarious, um, and I really liked it. That one got a chuckle out of me. So yeah, basically, uh, he, he lets the slaves go, and he's like, Samuel L. Jackson, though, you, you're not free to go. Nope. You gotta You got to stay here. You're going down with the house. Yep, he shoots out both of his kneecaps. Yeah. And, uh, and then Samuel he, Jackson's just cursing him out as he walks away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that actually where he was just kind of laying on the ground reminded me of uh, when he was laying on the ground dying in uh, another movie that I won't spoil because we're only going to spoil the movie that we're reviewing oh, right now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, basically Django just lights the, the fuse. He has this whole place wired with dynamite, I guess, because it goes up in spectacular style oh yes and he just he kind of turns puts on his sunglasses and watches this uh yeah cool guys old... do watch explosions they do when they've got sunglasses at least and when they're jamie fox yeah and then uh he and Broomhilda, they get on their horses he does a little dance on his horse that's pretty cool he does some donuts and then they they're just they're out of there they ride off into the night and there's a there's a little whistly catchy tune to go along with it and it goes like this 
What? I can't whistle right now. My <laughs> nose is is plugged. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you can cut that out. Nope, leaving it in. <laughs> anyway, end of movie. Yep. Credits roll as Hooray. the house just smolders as the credits roll past it. What a movie. Indeed. So quickly, out of five, what would you give this? Uh, Okay. Because I remember what you gave it last time, but has it changed? No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think so, but... Uh, I own this movie on Blu-ray. I really like it. I think that it's one of Quentin Tarantino's better films. I think all of the cast does a great job, particularly uh, Christoph Waltz. He's probably the highlight of the movie for me. And, yeah, I'll probably watch this movie quite a few more times. Um, I'll give it a four out of five. Excellent. I've had some time to stew on this since technically this is the second time around watching mm-hmm. this movie. Has it grown on you? Actually, it's gone down a bit. What? Just a tad. I, I can't, I'm, I'm waffling between a three and a four now because last time we did this, I gave it a four. You did? Because I was riding high on it. I was like, yeah, this is a good movie. I don't change that opinion. So I guess it has to stay at a four just because it is a well-done movie. But so it's a light four out of five. It's really light because just out of enjoyment factor for me, there's two characters in this that I actually enjoy watching, and that's it. Really? What yeah. are those two? Uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Christoph Waltz. Okay, cool. Yeah. You, you didn't think Leo did a good job? They, don't, they did a good job, but if I'm going to watch these movies again, they're the characters that I'm like psyched to see again exactly, kind of thing. yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Cool. Should we go over to our uh, mailbag? Do we have any mail? Let's find out. We never have mail. Well, sometimes we have mail. All right. You you look for the mail. Okay. I am going to find a potentially uh, alternate question for us to answer instead. While I'm uh, searching here, our email that you can email us at is mostlymoviespod at gmail.com. We don't have any emails. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think we would. Uh, I'll switch over to Twitter here. And if you want to tweet at us, our Twitter handle is at MostlyMoviesPod. Opening Twitter. Da, 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 da. No, we don't have any tweets. No. <laughs> oh, well. Hopefully next time. Well, wait, actually, we do have tweets. We do? <laughs> yeah, we have the results of our Twitter poll. Oh, right. We have a winner, Brian. <gasps> What is it? Can I get a drum roll? Oh, right. <clears throat> and the winner is Predators. Which which one is this? It's the one with Adrian Brody oh, okay. and uh, Topher Grace. Yes, that's right. Okay. And Machete. Machete, yes. Directed by Robert Rodriguez, I believe. I've I've seen this one. That's yeah. the one where the predator grabs that one guy and just rips his whole spinal call them out right that's like a classic predator move oh it is yeah that's like what they're known for this is the only predator movie i've actually seen out of all the predator movies (laughs) you haven't seen the arnold one no ah kill me i'm right here no i haven't seen that one no no that's a good one we should watch that one sometime too (laughs) we could substitute have you ever seen an arnold schwarzenegger movie terminator okay i've seen terminator that's not like fun arnold schwarzenegger though uh he's very robotic in that (laughs) Well, I mean, for good reason. I mean, I guess he has a couple memorable lines in that. I'll be back. Yeah. I'll be back. That's basically it. From Which one first... is the It's Not the Tuma from? Kindergarten Cop. What? Yeah. 
I've not even heard of this film, but okay. <laughs> but you know that line. I guess so. Anyway, come back for our next episode, which will be Predators, starring Adrian Brody. Yay. And uh, Morpheus. Oh, yeah. That's right. He is in this, isn't he? Yeah. Cool. Is that it? I guess that's it. Aside from the, the sign-off slash random thing at the end. Oh, yeah. If you'd like to write to us... You, you can reach that. us at mostlymoviespod at gmail.com or on Twitter it. at mostlymoviespod. But you already did Please, it. Please, like us on Facebook and uh, don't soak your socks in your drinking water. Why not? Because it, it gets dirty. Are you planning to drink it after? Because then it's not drinking water anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact that I called it drinking water implies that you would be drinking it. Well, it's drinking water before you put your socks in it. But is it drinking water after? These are philosophical questions, Michael, that you have now brought into being. What is the essence of drinking water? It's water you drink. <laughs> or plan to. Yeah, but there's some water that's inherently made for drinking and other water that is not, like your irrigation water. Hmm. You're not going to drink your irrigation water. No. I knew some people that used to pee in irrigation canals. You promised you wouldn't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was you. It was me. All what? It what? Was you. <laughs> <laughs> Such a stupid movie. All right. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Come, come back. Come back. Please. <laughs> Please we, come back. We we need listeners. If you want to go camping with me, then we can see what the flavor of... I don't know what nachos you're saying. Nachos? With bacon and cheese and olives and guacamole tastes like over a campfire. What? I'll put olives on my fingers and you'll put olives on your toes. <laughs> And I'll suck the olives oh. off your toes. No. And you'll suck this the olives off This is going down, my how, downhill very quickly. No, no, no. And then we'll no, go no, no, to no, no, the no. tent. No, 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 no. And then I'll suck the olives out. No. Oh, <laughs> oh gross, man. so uncomfortable now what have you done <laughs> your butthole what no <laughs> i'm sorry you get near my asshole sir i will fart every single no i'm not ounce. talking about you oh i'm talking to our dear listeners <laughs> you get anywhere near their assholes and i will beat your ass you stay away from them we I'm, need them don't put that in there are you kidding? That's absolutely going in. No, you can put the, the first part in about the nachos, not the olives, though. <laughs> Why do I say these things when it's it's being recorded?